Hello and welcome to the UGC Disassembled Podcast, the official podcast for the Big Glasgow Comic Page, where we talk about the latest comics, movies, television, and other pieces of their culture. Uh, I'm your host for today's episode, Massimo Costelli, and uh, as always, I'm joined by my lovely co-host, the uh, lovely Daniel Boyd. Uh, and on today's uh, interview special, we are joined by an actor whose credits include uh, video games and television roles such as Lost Girl, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, uh, and the upcoming Netflix TV series based on Jupiter's Legacy. Obviously based on uh, Mark Miller and uh, Frank Quitley's uh, masterwork. We'd like to uh, welcome to the show the talented Paul Amos. Thank you very much. Thank you. You're both lovely. Oh, thank you so much, Paul. Um, <laughs> so, so could you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? About me? Um, well, I'm originally from Wales. Um, I grew up in Wales. What about uh, Wales, Paul? Uh, South Wales, just in between Cardiff and Swansea. place nice. called Pengoid. Okay. Uh, Paul will pass that at some point. <laughs> if, you're, if you're a fan of rugby, it's, it's where Gavin Ensign was born. If you know what Gavin is. Um, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, yeah, I've came, I, went, uh, I went to London, trained at uh, Lambda, and um, did a bunch of theatre for like the Royal Shakespeare Company. And, and then I, I moved over to Canada. And, uh, yeah, I've sort of done TV and film over here ever since. Um, and video games. So... Yeah, and I'm still living here, and um, all my projects film in Toronto, pretty much. Nice. So a lot of video games are made in Toronto. Uh, yeah, it's it's a really busy place. Not so busy right now, but uh, we're kind of in the ultimate lockdown. Right. Yeah, you know, it's like the, the different tiers of it. We are in the ultimate lockdown. <laughs> I mean, we were like that for here for a wee while. Uh, like over here, we're just opening up stuff. We're just yeah. coming out of our third lockdown, I think it was. Third yep. supreme lockdown. Oh, yeah, you're all getting hammered on the streets now, aren't you? Well, That's Monday. Monday. From Monday onwards. Yep. <laughs> Monday. Oh, it's Monday for you guys. I've got the marks. I've got, I've got the light set in my phone. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I hear in Wales, so they, they open things up a little earlier too for restaurants and stuff, so that's good. Nice. That's good. We're, 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 we're miles off. We've still got another year to go, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, it's one of those things of, of the kind of the rest of the world kind of reacclimatize it everything and all these places open up so obviously kind of during lockdown many of us were getting fat and drinking a lot and doing all these kind of things but you did something quite interesting uh so i've heard is that you started up a virtual comic con called Homecon. We, we did actually we were we were the first people to do it um we it was rachel scarston who's in um Batwoman. Um, she's uh, one of my best friends and uh, they shut production down on Batwoman and she just got back from Vancouver and we were talking via Zoom about, you know, the craziness that was last year. Um, and it was literally, it was, I think it was about a week after we went into lockdown, mid, uh, it was towards the end of March. And I, I was like, do you know what I'm going to do? Um, because we, I was supposed to do a bunch of comic cons in U, in the UK. I think I was coming back for Bath at the end of the month, and um, I was like, I guess because I can't see any of the fans and do any of the signings and stuff. What I might do is I'll go on my Instagram, and I'll basically ask people to write in or or request, and I'll do a Zoom chat every single day with somebody just for free for like 20, 30 minutes, you know, to sort of. Yeah, through it. So I had a, a week schedule of somebody that I would call every single day. And the fans responded like they were like, this is amazing. You know, it's amazing. You get to do this kind of more intimate chat um, with uh, with an actor. And I was like, Rach, what, how about we make, what if we did this as like a comic con? And then like, instead of signing autographs, people could like, you know, purchase Zoom chats and, you know, we could do like Q and A's. So then I got a team together of people that I thought that might be able to pull it off. And within, I think it was three weeks, we did a full-on two-day virtual Comic-Con um, with like 40, it was like 48 guests. 
Um, we had like eight different shows. We had panels each day. And then in the background, we were doing um, like the Zoom chats that we were raising money for charity. So we did that three weeks. I think that was the 10th of April. And then we did another one a month later, which was like way bigger. Um, and we had all kinds of people on there. You know, we had whole casts of, you know, of different shows and some really high caliber people on there. Um, like Michael Rooker was there, Nathan Fillion. Um, oh, some big names. Yeah. And there, there were a whole cast of all the different shows. Um, so that was, it was really, really cool. We raised, I think, all in about a quarter of a million dollars for um, PPE, uh, frontline workers. Um, so yeah, we did, we did two of them. And then everybody kind of copied us <laughs> of, of doing it. And people, you know, are now just making money doing those things. Uh, we just did it for charity. But, uh, it, was called, it was called Home Con. Yes. And um, yeah, I think we had about, at one point on um, Twitch, we had about a million viewers. Right. You need to do something, John yeah. Lockdown, don't you? You keep you saying you need some sort of routine. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I was sitting about just finding things like that to do. Because to be fair, that's how we, I think me and you, Matt, started actually working yeah. with BGCP. Because yeah. BGCP itself, Paul, as a kind of con, um, Ian, the guy that's a kind of manager, he organises cons. Um, up north in Scotland and across kind of across the country, so that was kind of how how we got on board. So uh, it's interesting how how you just find things to fill your day. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's you know necessity is the mother of all invention, right? Yeah. So you you know you need something to do, and everyone went virtual. It was it was actually it was crazy. I mean we were working like I don't know like twelve fifteen hour days. Yeah, to try and get that thing done. And, you know, we were using technology that was pretty, like, cutting edge in terms of overlaying um, people's Zoom image. And Zoom was a new thing for a lot of people. Fortunately, my wife had been using it for her work for, like, a year or so. So I'd, I was very familiar with it. And I knew its limitations, and I also knew what maybe we could do with it if we pushed it. So that was kind of – it was super interesting. It was just super interesting to see people copy us. There was like, uh -huh. there was like pretty full on, you know. It's like, I was gonna say, like, uh, like I remember some company like DC and Marvel and stuff like. San Diego did. Yeah. They pretty much did it, and it was funny because we were in talks with a lot of people to really like take it big, but hmm. I just didn't really fancy running a comic con, to be honest. Right. It, changes, it changes the dynamic somewhat when you're trying to convince actors to like do something and you're like i am an actor that must be quite a rewarding experience though like like obviously you, you set out to kind of have this uh thing where you were able to kind of interact with fans on a more personal level and end up becoming so much bigger than just yourself and you know spreading out and and uh kind of giving out to charity and stuff like that and obviously helping with the, the coronavirus kind of ppe effort does does that kind of has that kind of set a precedent in your mind that you would maybe do something similar in the future? Maybe if, like, hopefully if this hell of a year uh, doesn't keep going over, is there maybe a possible 3.0 yeah. homecoming coming in the future? Or It's interesting because, yeah, out of that, um, I think I realised I didn't want to run a con, but I realised that the ability to organise something and put something together and produce something was... I was like, oh, I didn't realise Rachel and I kind of had these sort of skills in the bank and how many people we knew and how we can convince people to do whatever we want. Within <laughs> <laughs> um, limitation. Yeah, um, uh, <laughs> I don't want to get cancelled on this. <laughs> um, Interview exclusive. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we actually have, uh, we're now working on adapting a comic, actually. Cool. Um, to a TV show, which is kind of cool. So um, we are, we're working on a property. Uh, a friend of mine who owns Chatterhouse Comics in um, in Canada, uh, they uh, the Lev Gleason um, stuff. They they own a bunch of properties, and you know from Captain Canuck and all these uh, Hello Kitty things. And uh, one of them is Phantoma. I don't know if you know Phantoma at all. Um, it's, Fantoma was like the first female superhero ever. Wow. Um, she, and she is the 
protector of the jungle kind of and uh, sort of like that. But uh, she was nineteen thirties. She predated Wonder Woman. I know that much. Um, a really old old comic book, but uh, they did a, a new version. Uh, Ray Falk did uh, a, a new version that was sort of set in a border town in uh, in Texas uh, between Mexico and, and, and Texas. And uh, it's about this young girl whose uh, sisters go missing. And um, all, all of a sudden she gets in, inhabited and possessed by this ghost called of Phantoma. Um, and then she goes on this trail to try and find the sisters and then it, it gets into all this kind of stuff. So we're, we're kind of adapting that. Um, and it's a, it's a really cool property. It's a really cool comic. You should try and get a hold of it. So, yeah. There's two seasons of it. I think the third season's coming out in May. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've basically moved our efforts over to, to that, and we're really enjoying that. It's a little bit more of a creative process. We're you know, seeing what it takes to adapt a comic book into a, sort of a season format. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of fun. It's 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 really fun being on the other end of uh, of the camera and, and 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 being there from the beginning, its inception, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's uh, yeah, that's kind of what we've done, and I'm sure we did. You know, if there was a need to do do something for charity in the future, that uh, you know, there's skills in the bank now, right? Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, you mentioned earlier about live theater, um, and that's something that you kind of started out doing. Is that obviously the the, the live experience and cons and theatres and all that has been sort of greatly affected that whole market's been hit really hard by covid etc um, yeah is that something that you're concerned about in the future would you ever like to go back to live theater or is that not something that's in your mind or uh, i'd love to go back to uh live theater um last time i did theater was i think three years ago but then prior to that it was nearly 10 years so right. um yeah, I mean, I'd love to. There's nothing better than the live experience, right? That's the great thing about comic conventions is that it's, you know, the panels are a little bit like uh, ad-libbing. They're, you know, it's, it's like improvisational comedy at times. Mm-hmm. If you do them well and you're with a cast that you trust and you have fun. When we did Lost Girl, we would often, like, travel in groups. You know, there'd be, like, two, three or four of us doing cons. And sometimes, like, the whole cast in places like Dragon Con and, you know, Fan Expo. Um, and then when you get to a point where you've been working with people in a show for, you know, we did five, essentially six seasons. So that means we've been working together for seven years. Mm-hmm. So all of us had a really good rapport with each other in terms of the core cast. And the, the show itself, Lost Girl, was a very, you know, it was a very liberal show in the sense that you got to do lots of different styles of acting, um, you know, from comedy to drama to slapstick to everything. So by the time we got to the Comic-Con and you've got this stage and at times, you know, in the big ones, you could have like anywhere from 800 to 3,000 people um, uh, watching you for an hour. So we used to have the, I mean, I used to use that as a kind of a, a performance of, of yeah. live theatre as such and uh, we used to do some crazy fun things um so i kind of really miss that um i just realized you know for a year when you don't go there and you don't travel and you don't do it and you don't have that interaction with fans it's it's something that you really get used to um you know with assassin's creed as well you know uh with with victoria the two of us would do the cons together so by the time like a bit of a double act going on and yeah you know you're also catering to an audience that is really um, vociferous in, the, in their yeah. their love for it. You know, they just yeah. they're, they're the people who get all the tattoos, right? I was, <laughs> was going to ask though, like obviously, because uh, you and um, who play the the Fry Twins and the Assassin's Creed games, how does it feel to basically have your face permanently associated with a virtual character, like having like with with the character of James? I know seventy nine point. 8% likeness or whatever it is yeah. because once they, you get to 80% likeness they have to pay you yeah. right so it's interesting oh, yeah. they do is they they have a, like a way of charting 
the likeness, how, how yeah. much it looks like you, because, I mean, they get your body, that's fine, right? But it's the face is what they're about. And they do, you know, they motion capture and capture your face and all your movements and a lot of your structure, but they keep it just below so that they don't have to pay you for all the marketing materials. And often, and often it's, it's amazing how, the, how they do it because like the covers of the games have something completely different on them. So it's never really, it never looks like the character in the game huh. because if it looked like the character in the game then and it got too much on likeness, you, you could start getting into those marketing dollars, which is like... Right. Millions of dollars, yeah. and they didn't pay me millions of dollars. <laughs> uh, they paid me well, but they didn't pay me millions of dollars. Um, I'd be living in a much bigger place. <laughs> uh, yeah, but having my face associated with that, um, it's I've kind of if I'd gone back to my ten-year-old self and I told him that you know you would be in a video game and somebody would be moving you around the city of London. It's like a, you know, industrial revolution. I would have, you know, bitten your arm off for that. You know, I was a video game sort of computer freak from, you know, Spectrum 48K, the Dragon, Commodore, Amiga, you know, and I went through the whole gamut of the Mega Drive and, you know, PlayStation 1, 2, 3. Yeah, I, I mean, I had them all. So, and I was, and then, you know, when you're in university and that's all you do is really drink, smoke weed yep. and video games. <laughs> um. yeah, 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 I get where you come from there. That's just... Massive was a student just now. So. Yeah, I'm currently a student. If it wasn't for lockdown, all of those things. And maybe also more of those things because of lockdown and so on. Actually, because weed is legal here now, it's, uh, you know, it's an essential service, apparently. <laughs> I would agree, but that's, another conversation. Right, that's a conversation for maybe off, <laughs> off camera, not to incriminate ourselves. So. Off camera. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's okay, it's legal here. I'm allowed to say yeah, these things. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> we just got a VPN, um, just make sure we're in Canada. Just, just to... <laughs> um, no, but I loved it. No, because they mentioned, I mentioned it. it. You, you said about working with the Fast Creed guys. Um, you must have had a good experience because you went back and done it again for the recent one, Valhalla. I did. I did. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, how can I not play the King of Wales? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Essentially, and I was like, yeah, for sure. I'm definitely doing this one. <laughs> definitely. Even though I die. Oh, sorry. For oh, those spoilers. That, um, yeah. <laughs> death, uh, it was worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where are you going to get that opportunity again? <laughs> oh man, after doing the first one, I don't know. I like we spent hours and hours and hours playing the game. We'd work for six days a week, and I, they got us in on Sundays, so we were literally doing seven straight days every week. And on Sundays, we'd have to come in and play the broken game. So as they were building it, which right. is like the most excruciating experience ever because it, you know like when something doesn't work at home and people get pissed off this thing just broke all the time because they're they're building it right and we had to go through the entire game because they had they, they wanted all these lines added and they wanted a lot of them ad-libbed of like what what evie and jacob might say right so to sit there for eight hours on the sunday and I play can't. this broken game and it broke like me I I you, were an actor. you were doubling as a voice actor and a QA tester. <laughs> exactly, exactly. It was like, what is going on here? I'm doing the, everything. It kind of like killed my love of of playing the game after that. It was I just like the, it would, yeah. right? Because like yeah. I, I assume because one of the things I've se- I've seen obviously from behind the scenes footage is that uh, people always associate voice acting with being inside of a booth recording lines, but assumably with something like Assassin's Creed, it's a lot of motion capture, a lot of running places and stuff like that. So it was a lot of physical, like physicality to the role of of what you may, might have thought at first was. Oh, I'm gonna sit in a booth and record a few lines. Oh no, actually, the motion capture thing was the thing that I really wanted to do. Oh. So that was I realized the games that because I mean I, I was keeping up to date with the video games and I realized a lot of them were made in Montreal. Um, so I was like, well, you know, I, I'm Toronto. I wouldn't mind getting in on these and, and being somebody who enjoys playing video games, at least then, um, <laughs> before Assassin's Creed. 
um, I, I was aware of it, and I knew that the technology had gone, uh, it advanced so much that they could actually capture quite a lot. So your performance could be quite similar to that on film. And I liked the idea of that because I, I felt that there was more scope to actually do something interesting with the cutscenes mm-hmm. um, that was more filmic. And I met the director and that was, that's what they wanted to do. Um, so it was really interesting because the, the one thing I think video games, I always say this prior to that, like having played video games and, and the cutscenes always seemed a bit boring to me that, or they, they always seemed like people floated it or nothing really goes glitchy. You never really got much in terms of facial um, stuff and there wasn't much comedy. Um, so I was like, I really want to like try and bring some humor to, to these cutscenes and the video games and do something more interesting with it. So I really pushed for that all the time. And I was always trying to like make things funny because I realized they could capture your facial expressions and, you know, if, if you're good at your job and as an actor and you do lots of different stuff, then comedy should really be in there, right? Yep. You should be able to do it. And I think that's the one thing I take away that I think I did that I was proud of of that game is that actually made it kind of funny at times. You know, yeah. there there were parts of it that were that were humorous and we had a lot of fun making the game too. So it was a really fun experience in the booth, you know, yeah. trying to mine the comedy in these fucking comedic suits that, you know, had bobbles on them and you're in leotards. But what what I did do that was different on that one is that we actually, I weighted stuff down. So we actually had a costume made of the assassins with a proper leather heavy coat. And I had boots reconfigured, fry boots actually, funny enough. (laughs) Um, I got fry, really heavy fry boots and they put the balls on them. So when I walked around, um, I had more weight um, because Jacob was like, he, he wore this huge like leather jacket and you would imagine revolution, everything would have been wet and damp, and heavy. Um, so I, that's what we brought to the performance capture. We kind of, we weighted everything down and I tried to find a different way to move because I always found that people, when they act in cutscenes, they look light because they wear trainers they wear leotards you know so everything in your body is really light so i felt a lot of the cutscenes had that essence of it being floaty yeah. um so but then when you weighted it down it seemed more real right. um yeah anyway technically speaking oh, that makes sense um what you were saying before about um assassin's creed um in terms of the in terms of the character, um, how do they do? You have a say in crafting the character when a company like a big company like Ubisoft comes to you and they say, "Right, we want you to play this guy." Are you playing yourself, or do they give you a brief on who he is, or how does that conversation go? In terms of so is it, repeat that. In terms of my yeah, just, yeah, just when they cast you, when they say, "Right, you know, Paul, we want you to play this guy." This is where he came from. Do you kind of have an input? Or is that already already scripted beforehand? I don't, know, I don't know whether it happens anymore, but we we got a lot of input actually. Um, we had the writer present, and we spent a week just um, Victoria, myself, and uh, and and the writer and the director. We were there, um, and we mined the characters. They had a an, they had a whole idea of what they wanted. Right, yeah. it's, it's a huge game, and yeah. you know. People don't realize that, you know, it takes like three to four to five years. So by the time I was there, a lot of decisions have been made by marketing because they have to, in advance, get ready for the whole thing. So it's funny because I always said there was marketing Jacob and there was game Jacob. Like they were almost like two different characters at times. Like marketing Jacob was out of a, you know, Guy Ritchie movie, Mm -hmm. like lots of and and then Game Jacob was a little bit more classical in that sense, and um, a slightly different character, mm-hmm. spoke a little bit differently, um, didn't have that sort of London white boy sort of uh, feel to him. Um, and we, I, our input was more of the Game Jacob, um, where we got to you know mind a little bit about the father and all that kind of stuff and the storyline and what their relationship was like. Um, and uh, yeah, we did a lot of that movement work kind of like how that how how they should be how they should act what they sound like um 
you know, what, what, what they would be, the eagle stuff. And we just did a lot of posing too, to be honest. We did a lot of, <laughs> we did a lot of that stuff, you know, that when you're looking down over the, uh-huh. uh, over the uh, big Ben or whatever, you know, and you're looking down. Uh, so yeah, it was cool. It was cool. We, we, we had a fun time. I, I felt like we really owned those characters, which is I'm not sure whether that happens as much anymore. Um, not play gaming, I don't think. No, no. I think they've walked back a little bit too in terms of um, the cutscenes themselves. Aren't I? Don't think that the involvement of the motion capture. I think it's a little tighter than it was than when we did it. We did a lot of. We filmed that for four months in motion capture, and then we did like another two, three months in the booth in terms of just doing all the lines that the big. 1,500 page script with all the O notes and that, ah, ah, yeah, all, that stuff. All, all that stuff <laughs> uh, and hours on end um, but yeah we, we got a lot of input it was just it was a fun year yeah. would you, um, would would you, you want, want to go back if they offered you in the future like another role of video games is that something you kind of want to maybe progress towards doing more or are you kind of maybe focusing on going instead with the I pulled Back after that, after a year of it, it was interesting because, I mean, I'd done a lot of TV work up until that point. So it was really, it was kind of really interesting to have a character that everybody knew the character and the game, but people didn't really know you for it. I mean, yeah. the fans that came to see it, uh, to, to, to meet us or whatever, they, they knew the game, but, and they kind of, they know us now. And we're, our faces are a little bit, we're a little bit more visible than a lot of other actors in video games. You don't usually get to see them as much and they don't do as many cons. Um, but I really, I just really like the, I just like the film work, right? I just like being me on camera as a character. Um, so I, I didn't want to get, I could see that there was a way that you could keep going down that road, but then you could get known for being a motion capture actor or a voice actor. And that's not really my bag. It's never been my bag as an actor. I've always liked to do lots of different things and have all the skills in the bank. So if something interesting comes now in the future, I know I've done all that motion capture. I know exactly what it is, how to do it, how to do it well, how to do it quickly and efficiently. Um, so if one does come along that I'm interested in, um, I would, yeah, I would hundred percent do it again, but I didn't want to carry on doing it after yeah. assassins. I needed a break. Um, and it, it's weird when you do a franchise like that, it does take a little bit of time for, for you to gear back up into doing acting again. It's yeah. like, it took me a little bit of time before I, you know, I did stuff again. Um, and to be honest, it maybe took a little bit, quite a bit of time, because it was only really towards Jupiter's where I started to really start to, you know, bag TV stuff that was really interesting again and big. Um, and now I'm, well, now then COVID happened. Um, but now I feel like I'm back to kind of where I was at in the moving my television film career into a higher level now. So I'm kind of really interested in that um yeah. more than i would be going to do another video game right um it was like maybe for a month you fit it in i do it but i couldn't do a year again because uh-huh. it just it it's just too it's too much to, yeah. to give yourself over to a triple a like that um if 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 you do tv and film work i think if you're just a voice actor and i know victoria's made a great career for herself doing lots of other stuff in in voice and motion capture and fair play to her yeah, um, but yeah, it's not for me. Yeah, it sounds like quite a commitment. Um, especially now, I mean, I think things have changed because as Massimo was saying earlier, it used to be a case of sitting, you know, where a mic like this in a booth and just recording some lines. But nowadays, you know, I think a lot of voice actors that done it before aren't able to do it now because it is so much more of a physical role. Um, but I don't think Indie can accuse you of not being, you know, variety, Paul. I think the fact you've done, you know, film, TV, and video games and theatre. Um, I suppose it's just all experience to, to an actor, right? Yeah, it is, especially when you're in your formative years, right? You come out of drama school, like, 25, 26. Um, and, you know, you want those first 10 to 15 years to really have a, a, a grounding in as many things as possible, I think. I mean, if you get lucky and you get really famous quickly 
Um, and that, that's a different ball game. But, um, you know, it's good to have all the skills in the bank. They all inform each other. Like all of the work I did in theater for the first 10 years and then doing like about eight years of TV and film. And then I did a video game. And video games are essentially theater and film all rolled into one. Um, so there was a lot of things I could pull off uh, the things I did in order to, to be good at it and, yeah. and do a job. So, yeah. And, and again, I'm sure in the future again, you know, as, um, you know, if you get into like more VFX, um, green screen, motion capture stuff, um, that's, you know, those skills are the same skills. So I, I feel very confident that whatever got thrown at me now, it's, it's, there's no issues at all. Um, I mean, you mentioned Jupiter's Legacy there. I would imagine that's a project that, that has a lot of sort of special effects and green screen and yeah, yeah. I was just going to say each when it comes to the the process behind obviously working with big cast of characters and each of those kind of characters having say like, a different superhero ability and then that having to transit over into the screen. How did you? I don't know. I didn't mean to cut you off there, but it just was like something that's really, really art making. Like, how are they going to take all these abilities and stuff like that over onto onto this like kind of television kind of aspect? How are they how are they going to produce like the same effects as you can maybe get with drawn onto like uh, television? And um, number one, you 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 hire a very big studio. Yeah. <laughs> of course, a very talented <laughs> animation team. And yeah. also some very talented. Yeah, they filmed uh, in Toronto in essentially the biggest studio, uh, the, the one that gets used for all of the big movies, you know, the sort of Pacific Rim type level um, special effects and sort of grand sets and a lot of VFX. So that's first and foremost what you have to do with that. I mean, I, I mean, because I've got you know, friends who are in the comic game, I was aware, very aware of, of Jupiter's. So I was, you know, I was first like, how the hell are they going to like put this onto the screen? Because it's, it's a really big show, even in the book, it's big, you know, in terms of the comic book and lifting tankers up in the air and throwing cars and, 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 you know, the, some of the battle sequences in it and, and then some of the stuff with brainwave and, um, you know, they're, they're big sequences. Um, so yeah, each episode's like a movie, man. It's, it was filmed in the movie studio. Each episode is like a movie, particularly the set pieces. They're, they're pretty big budget. Um, and it was, it's great to be on a show like that. And, uh, you know, my character, you know, alone was when I, and I loved that character in the books too. So it was kind of fun when I got a hold of it. And um, especially when I got cast in it, because it was a very cool character. I wasn't sure how they would um, adapt that character mm -hmm. and how they would adapt them all, but, uh, and what they would do with the storyline. But they've, they've kept pretty tight, as you'll see. Um, I was going to say, one of the weird things I was, I was looking at, I was reading for the comic recently, and the character of, of Barnabas Wolf, who you play, is the spitting image of you. It is... I know! It is, it is incredible. <laughs> I was sick. Obviously, we, we obviously kind of, we kind of got this interview with him last week, but didn't And I was reading through it, and I'm like, spot on. Like, unbelievably so. Like, I'm like, so like it's a weird thing of maybe, like, you maybe read the comic, and you've seen this character, and like, ah, it looks familiar. I could play him. <laughs> I know. I know. It's a, it's either it's, there's um what's it the other Welsh uh, actor um Lee of uh, oh, Evans. Luke um, Evans. Luke Evans. Sorry. Um, Luke Evans also looks a lot like him. I I, I think there's a few Welsh people that could have played that part. <laughs> uh, but no, especially with my yeah, beard. Good. Time. It's always the same, right? Yeah, it was amazing. It was like one of those, and funny enough, from the audition process was literally. Um, I, I got back from I don't know Colombia, I think it was, and I I got the audition, and I did one tape, and that was it, and I got cast. I didn't need to meet anyone. I didn't need to do anything. Um, and I remember coming in on set, and I was like, you know, so guys, what you. What, what, what are you thinking here? What, is there anything that I could do? And they were like, no, just do exactly what you did. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we don't want it. It's just perfect. Um, and you'll see in season one, he gets introduced in five. So he's in five and six. Um, but it, it's, you know, the comics, they do lean towards, I think, where the comics are. So there's, there's, there's a future, much bigger future for Barnabas, I'm sure, um, as the story progresses, if uh, if it progresses as it goes on to another season, and, um, yeah, because he has a he has a fun storyline in the comics, and um, I think that gets you know would be great if that got stretched out. That's interesting, though, the idea of like because uh, for those who don't know the comics, obviously we'll give the audience a little bit of an explanation. Well, so he's kind of a very Sherlockian character, people could could say. Um, with, with his kind of attributes and stuff like that. And well, obviously without spoiling a little bit too, uh, without any kind of spoiling too much, did you kind of channel any influences in when you were playing the character, like any kind of anything like that, or was it kind of just straight from the head? Could it go with it? Funny enough with Barnabas, it was, again, like when we were just talking about all the skills in the bank, right, and your experience, he is literally a combination of three characters that I've already played. There is a character that I recurred in a show called uh, Murdoch Mysteries, which is uh, is a Canadian show. It's also on in, in the UK, um, and I played um, a psychologist um, who used to solve the the crimes when they were too much for the lead character. That he'd always go to this Doctor Roberts character, and he was always doing outlandish things, and you know, with patients, like you know, because it's a period piece, and you know, you turn up and they all all these like women in like ice baths with things on their heads. And he, he was always trying new things in psychology, right? So it's him. It's Vex from Law School. 100% there's bits of Vex. And there's absolutely bits of Jacob Fry. I mean, I have a cane. <laughs> <laughs> um, the only difference is none of those characters fly. Um, so you just add the flying thing on with Barnabas. But yeah, he's a bit of, you know, he's a bit of an arsehole. Um, you know, he's... Because he has a cool, he has the coolest power again. I mean, I always say this when I was on uh, when I was on Law School. Like, I, Vex had the coolest power because he could just make people do things, right? But Barnabas is even cooler. He can like he can manipulate yeah. molecules, Matter and he can fly, yeah. and he's a monkey from Monkey Magic. He's like, woohoo! <laughs> gets the cloud to come down and pick him up. <laughs> He just floats on air. It's amazing. Um, so flying was fun. Um, and when you see the show, the uh, the entrance is pretty pretty spectacular. I, I must have the best ed- entrance on the show. There's there's no way anybody beats Barnabas's intro into the show. And what what about your costume? What about getting fitted for the suit? How was that? I was. It was great. We were filming in Toronto, and. Uh, they would only do a costume fitting with me in LA. So I had to fly to LA twice for the costume fitting. It was bonkers. They flew me for a 40 minute costume fitting from Toronto first class over to LA. And I got to do that twice. (laughs) I was like, (laughs) all right. Um, They were made all the super suits in uh, LA and then, um, and then they would get uh, sent over to Toronto when they were finished. So if you were one of the soups, you had to do everything in LA. And a lot of the cast are from LA, right? You know, mm-hmm. Leslie, Josh, um, Mike, um, a lot of a lot of the people live there anyway. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was kind of fun, and it's a cool. I mean, it, he looks exactly like he does in the comic book. I mean, yeah. he's one of those. I mean, that issue number five is such an iconic. Yeah. Um, cover. I, I just love that cover. It's like the, the black with the red backdrop. And it, you know, it's very um, evocative. Um, so I try to keep the essence of of that. And you know, he he looks like he's gonna mess with you on that cover. He looks like he's got power. He's you know, and um, that's what I try to bring to the character as much as possible. That's an interesting thing obviously because you, you mentioned it's obviously comic book and you kind of try and keep it comic book accurate you know like you obviously know this is under the watchful eyes of fans of the comic and and like the you know comic book fandoms can at some points be very vicious with their yeah you know, the properties like have you had any sort of 
like can someone give you an advice of how to deal with that kind of almost this like fan anticipation no i mean i did uh i don't know if you know the comic books captain canuck they're kind of quite big over here um and richard comley well i, I did the animation series and i played mr gold yep. so i was very aware of like particularly living in Canada, being a British person, a Welsh person, doing, you know, a, what is a, a Canadian classic really here. Uh, so I was very, I'd already gone through that process a little bit. Um, but, you know, with Miller's Jupiter's Legacy, that's, I mean, that's in the past 10, 15, 20 years of comic book creations, that's like really one of the classics. Mm-hmm. You know, it was so well done. Yeah. Such a great story, um, and there are people that really love that, um, really love it. And you know, I think they also love the darkness of it. They love the storyline, the characters. It's, it's a, it is a bit GOT for superheroes. Um, you know, it's a dark storyline that you mm-hmm. don't get that dark in comic books usually. Um, so. I think that's to come. It's it's tricky, right? When you're on Netflix, you've got a lot of setup, um, and you've got to set up this franchise, and not everybody knows it either. So it's, um, and yet it's a Netflix audience. So I think there's the, you can't go too far out there with with what the, the comic book does mm. because it's quite graphic at times. Um, but I think they can maybe lead the audience there by a, a season two or three. I, I feel like a season two could be a bit like the Empire Strikes Back for Jupiter's Legacy. You know what I mean? It's yeah. Yeah. The, a much darker second, second season because the storyline kind of goes that way in books. Like, especially the first edition. I, I mean, there's some dark stuff in there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there's some horrific images in there. Um, in, in the book, in the comic, um, Barnabas is obviously a kind of former villain. Um what is it like playing that role, playing a role that's somewhat sinister? Um, I mean, I take it you've played villains before, but... Yeah, my thing with villains is that, uh, I mean, I've, I was like a redemption story, right? So even like with Vex, who at the beginning in Lost Girl was like a baby killer, um, by the end of it, he'd been redeemed. I, I don't like to play full out evil people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I definitely like to have fun with the characters. Yeah. Um, I always think you just got to make people laugh a little and you can get away with a little bit more. Um, and then when you do bad things, they seem a little bit worse because you kind of like the guy that is mm-hmm. doing the bad thing yeah. um, because he's made you laugh or, you know, so the thing with Barnabas is that's what I kind of try to do again, even though he's an arsehole, even though he thinks he's, you know, the best guy in the room always, you know, is he really, is he really that good? Is he really that clever? Is, can he really use the power that well? I, I always like to, if you can think, oh, maybe he's not as good as he thinks he is, but maybe he is. And, you know, just that idea of messing with people constantly so that they never really know where they are with the character. I think that, that that's, those are the characters I love the best. Yeah. Um, and I think people gravitate to, to, to that as opposed to just playing it straight down the line. Like I'm an evil superhero villain, you know, and, uh, you know, I mean, it's boring really quickly. Every villain's a hero of their own story, aren't they? So yeah. always, I mean, yeah. you know, I, th- I think Barnabas is a bit more of a higher gun as well, right? He's a. Yeah. I don't think he's either on either side as much, and I yeah. think he knows everybody. So he's he's uh-huh. a bit more of a mercenary in that sense. Um, and like, if it's, if, I think if the money was good and there's something in it for him, and I think he's got a little bit of darkness as well. You know, is there's something else going on? You know, you, you don't, you, you, I don't think you really know where he's at, like what he's into. And in that sense, it reminded me a bit of Vex in Lost Girl, where you don't know whether he's straight or gay or bi or like, you just don't know. Like he could be into like dark, weird shit, but maybe he's not. Maybe he's just like a monk. I don't yeah. know. You never know. You don't know with Barnabas. So uh, yeah, when you've only got two episodes, like one, one pretty big one and then, You've you've got that time to layer that character quickly, right? For the audience to to give them a sense of questioning those things that they want to know more. Um, that's what you've always got to do, I think, as a character. You can't answer all the questions. You, you, 
you've got to give them questions with no answers almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they have to keep coming up with the answers and as the show goes on. And even for yourself as an actor to make it interesting, mm-hmm. you know, um, especially on a series long thing, right? Because you you could potentially have like three or four seasons, mm-hmm. you know, um, so that's hours and hours and hours. And if you manage to get like a, you know, an hour or two or three hours of like a good arc of a story and your scenes are good and your character's good, it can be, it can be a really fun journey. Yeah. As you say, as like, as obviously the character, as you said, is, is you're not completely sure where he's at with his, if he's a good guy, bad guy, mercenary, monk, whatever it would be. Like, as, as a character, and obviously looking at his comic book counterpart side by side. I know obviously we talked about kind of adaptation and stuff and you mentioned it on the kind of they can't go too they can't stray too bonkers with it. But do they, with a character who is kind of evil, do you get to play around with that kind of little bit of like with what he does in the comics, which is some sinister shit of he gasses a whole room at one point in the comics of, of a building and stuff like that? Yeah. Do you get to do those kind of slightly villainous things in this show? Like in general, um, is it kind of like Netflix set the parameters of no, we have to have them be slightly more likable kind of thing? Well, I'm sh- well, it depends where they go, right? If they continue down the line, um, and I know Mark has kept pretty close to some of the real key set pieces in the in the books, then I'm sure some of that really evil stuff is to come. Um, you see, where Barnabas has been brought in to help out, you know, in, in Jupiter's to help them. And he's been brought in by Walter. So that it's, it's a bit more of a setup, uh, setting Barnabas up as like, you know, this is the guy who's clearly going to come back. Um, and well, hopefully, <laughs> unless, unless I do a terrible job and everybody fucking hates the character. Um, <laughs> there's always, you know, that happens. Um, that I'm sure some of those key set pieces will be in there. I mean, in the comic books, the you know when he the the girl, the super tall giant woman, I mean, it would be kind of a really crazy set piece to see in a show. Um, and the the chase down on Chloe and uh, and Hutch is, is is a pretty big part of that. So and it's a key set piece. So uh, it'd be fun to see those things brought to life for sure. Um, and then, you, you know, you start to see Walter and, and Brandon become the villains of the show as well, right? They kind of start to own it more. Um, oh, I shouldn't really say that, should I? It's a bit spoilery. <laughs> uh, so this is going out after this, the show comes out, so I feel like... Yeah. 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 Um, um, how, how much is covered in, in the first season? Do we, do we get the full trade, the first full trade paperback, or is there a bit less than that? Well, it's, it's hard to it's hard to say, right? Because they've got a can't give too much away because they they're, they're plotting out their, their whole journey. But um, right. you know, some of the key pieces are definitely in there, and um, yeah. a lot of the, a lot of the key characters, most of them, if not all of them, I think, are, are pretty much in the show. And then they've added a few, obviously, right. um, to uh, to round it out because it's yeah. TV show. Now. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. You'll you'll see it's uh, or you've seen. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, but I, I would imagine. I take it it's a huge production. It's like you know a, a huge creative team. How was it to be on such a you know a big set like that, a big production? Uh great because um, I mean I, I've been on. I don't think I'd, I've never done anything that big. Um, so it's yeah. You know the flying in a huge studio and everything was is pretty amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. hang on a minute. Oh, is oh, just got to check my computer doesn't run out. I just realised it's not plugged in. <laughs> no, I have ten percent left. Ten percent. <laughs> um, I, I, how how did they do the flying? Was that done via wire work? Uh, yeah, it's all it's all wire work. Yeah, Harness, yeah. Cool. Yeah, you're honest, it's you're hoisted, you know. How good. uncomfortable was that? Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, it was so difficult to get into because Barnabas's suit is already is like tight. You know, it's black and it's all these beautiful different types of leather and everything. Um it was almost impossible to get it to underneath and then that back on. 
and the boots alone i remember were just so difficult to get on it just yeah it was pretty pretty tight up there yeah i you know oh, God. it reminded me of being wedgied in school Remember when you used to wedgie you? You suffer for I know. Weird thing people used to do in school, isn't it? Netflix from wedge, I wedge you from Netflix. I wedge you from Netflix, yeah. Thank you, Netflix. Um, or the Wall of Death. Did you ever do the Wall of Death in school as well? We used to yeah, have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There would be guys that you'd have to walk down there and people would yeah, throw you yeah. punches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so obviously, obviously, obviously um, we're, uh, we're kind, kind of coming to the end of the questions, questions that we've got for you. Um, so, so to kind of round, round it out, if you were to get to uh, get, get someone to watch uh, Jupiter's Legacy, what would you hook them in with? What would be the, the kind of the hook? What would be the kind of thing that you would be like, they haven't watched the comic, they had no already previous knowledge, what would you say to them to get them into this show? Um, I would say it is a time-spanning Game of Thrones esque for superheroes. It's uh, it's it's dark. It's got family issues. Um, it deals with different time periods. It's like an indie movie. It's like a Marvel movie, and it's it's almost like a period piece as well. It's like three shows in one. Um, so it satisfies a lot of different people, um, and I think people, younger people to older people, can really enjoy the show. I think the older people will will really appreciate some of the period stuff in there. It uh, reminds them more of like the the sort of the shows of the past, those sort of lost adventure shows that uh, you'd have, um, the land of time forgot and things like that. Right. And and, so, and it's, but then at the same time, it's just a huge like Marvel level superhero show with people with crazy powers and flying, and it's also. An indie drama about like a family just not getting on anymore and living up to your parents' expectations. Um, so it's got something for everybody. Yeah, very excited. Yeah, um, is there anything else, Paul, that you would like to tell us about or plug any upcoming things you're working on, or is there anything that you can even tell us about? Or no, I think I, I mean, Jupiter's is the big one. I mean, COVID kind of scuppered a lot of stuff last yeah. year. Um, and, uh, you know, we spoke about Fantoma, which, uh, you know, I'm really excited about and recommend people read that comic book. It's awesome. Yeah, just the Le- it's on the Lev Gleason um, website. So Lev Gleason has a, they, they have a ton of titles on there and Fantoma is part of that. Um, and she's part of another universe with Captain Canuck and Freelance and all these other um uh, characters so uh yeah that's that's worth looking at I've, i have an animation series that will be coming out on netflix as well that's really super cool it's kind of harry potter-esque um but uh, other than that uh, hopefully we're we we go back to jupiter's mm-hmm. yeah. people like the show when we get a season two and mm-hmm. and then i get to explore barnabas barnabas's villainy my gosh christ man that sounds that's awesome that. Uh, yes. So, so yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, gonna I'm gonna round out here. Yeah. Uh, so, so thank, thank you, you so much for for being, being on here, Paul. Thank, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Um, yeah. um I would say, uh, so, so this, this has been the BGCP Disassemble podcast. podcast. Uh, I, I hope that everyone is gonna have a great week, great day, and you can find us on Facebook at BGCP Comic Con. You can find us on Twitter with the same handle, and also on Instagram because we have one of those now. You know, getting with the times. So everyone. Out there listening, have a great day and have a great week. Goodbye. Cheers, Paul. Okay. Thank you for listening to Disassembled. You can find more news and reviews on BigGlasgowComicPage.com. And don't forget, you can also find us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube as BGCP Comic Con. Make sure you also subscribe on the podcast provider of choice for new episodes every week.